Vintage Radio. Radio now presents Always the Sea, a poetry roundup special. This is the first part of a programme that was originally broadcast on the 16th of September 2020. Welcome to uh, Poetry Roundup with me, Camel Horton, and we have a guest poet in the studio today, so it's a big welcome to Mike Penny. Hello, Mike. Hello, everybody. And uh, so it's good to have Mike on board again, and today we are going to present Always the Sea, because Mike has a collection of sea poetry he's put together, um, which is... Some of which are still being worked on, and some of which are brand new, and, uh, and, <laughs> and some ancient ones as well amongst them. Well, the majority were written in the 1980s. I had a, a period where I was writing about the sea. Right. And, um, the other week, I, I'd, I'd forgotten about them, because it was years ago. I went into an art gallery in Chester, one of these pop-up art galleries, um, which is in at the top of Bridge Street, and that... Uh, I met an artist called Sue Walsh, and she paints on the theme of the sea in watercolour and oils. And we had a lovely chat, and um, I presented her with the poems to read for her own pleasure. And um, yes, and uh, it, it resurrected them for me. And um, Sue's work's on at the moment. It's on display in this gallery that had been for for a long number of years. Um, an opticians for 204 years closed last year and now it's a, a pop-up gallery which means is say no to empty high street shops right and it's a lovely atmosphere in there if, you, if anybody wants to pop in in Chester and have a look so where is it again it's up it's near the cross in Chester at the top of Bridge Street number four Bridge Street actually and yes. it's open most days if you want to have a look in uh, right. it won't be there always it's only temporary it's organised by Chester Arts Centre, and that's a permanent gallery in Northgate Street. So it's a case of go and have a look while you can. Yes. But that's what inspired today's programme, because we found lots of poems from uh, our own archive, and uh, 
Brian Wakes sent us something in, which we'll be playing a little later on. And new poems. We've got a new poem from me and a new poem from Caroline Wilson. But first of all, first of all, we will start with some music. And we have the Velvet Underground with the ocean. Down by the sea 
Well, that was the Velvet Underground with the ocean. And uh, we will go move swiftly over to Mike Penny with his first poem of uh, this Always the Sea that we are presenting today. Always the Sea. Mike, so Hello. what have you got? Yeah, now this poem is called, it's, it's a trilogy actually. This is the first poem of the trilogy, Balnakeel. In April 1993, by accident or chance, I found myself in the most northerly point of the mainland of the British Isles, Sutherland, which is on the west side, and it's a very wild place, very sort of remote, and um, the, the beaches, gosh, the, the sound of the crashing waves. And this is um, a beach called Balnakeel. Here, the tide roars wild, Immeasurable, thundering, pounds unceasing, no restrictions. Here, earth and sky yawn large, exalts the breath to yearning. Purified, each crash of wave all cleansing, each blur of boiling surf suffusing. Horizons roar, converging. Remoteness, all-absorbing. Yes, places by the sea. And uh, this poem of mine was published in Chester Poets 12 in 1986, all that time ago. Uh, it's called Between the Tides. I have grown accustomed to the waves and mistake their sound for silence. I have come to know the cry of the gull and mistake its shriek for company. I have begun to love these rocks and confuse their touch with affection. Between the tides I have taken the shore for a place to build. Now last year amongst our guests was Jonathan Mayman, and here he is with his poem, Down by the Sea. What I particularly like about Madeira is the sense you get there of being surrounded by boundless sea, seemingly limitless sea. And this poem's entitled, Down to the Sea. The island lies below, halo of cloud around its peaks, the plain banks coming down over the glitter of the sea. From the airport, the taxi plunges into a steep sunlit valley, heading for our hotel, speeding down towards the seafront far below. Evening shadows lengthen beneath the palms out along the bay. The sun hemorrhages, sinking down, absorbed into a darkening sea. Early each morning, wake to the wash of waves upon the shore, shingle in the undertow, rattling down, drawn inexorably seawards. In the forested highlands, rainfall finds its way into every gully and ravine, cascades, watercourses, streaming down, forever searching for the sea. Reach the mountain top, high above a carpet of undulating white cloud, light-headed in the thin air, looking down, glimpse the surrounding sea. Step from the jetty, on board a fishing boat, as we leave the harbour, feel the force of the swell pulling down before releasing us out to sea. Jonathan Mayman, one of the Chester poets. 
and uh, this next poem is from another Chester poet, Barbara Layfield. And I'd like to dedicate this poem in particular to uh, Evan Jones, if he's listening, because uh, you know this place, Evan, and uh, this is the cove, the Llyn Peninsula. Now, we're going to the cove, which is on the Llyn Peninsula in Wales, and it's full of rock pools and magic. Soft, oh, so soft sand, silver, dry as powder running between my toes. Pebbles, white, white, polished, smooth and round, a million marble sweeties. Gossiping waves, waves whispering secrets of the deep looking glass water. Pools, endless aquariums, aquariums alive with starfish, anemones and transparent shrimp. Careless rocks, rocks jumbled, throned with Earth's abandoned past, New homes for crustaceans. Tideline. A tideline sporting splintered plank with a lost name. A stormy sea. Limpid lavender bowl. Beached bowl of Neptune's toxic jelly. Man of war. The receding sea. Sea leaving a rippled slice of beach piped with sandworm scrolls and an arthritic twist a twist of ancient ancient black olive wood long fallen from a sunny distant shore yes barbara layfield who reads rather excellently and takes you to the place she's talking about mike penny where are you going to take us now well, firstly, back in time, from 1957, I would say, to 1966, um, my mother and my father and my sister Alison would go to Blackpool full board, and uh, we used to love it, and um, Blackpool Tower, everything there was the iconic um, landmark, so I've got a poem called Blackpool Tower in memory of that period of my childhood. A finger neath the sky's eclipse. In burnished light you thrust Halcyon, snatched to zenith throat. A figment breached in space, clasped against the wind's salt edge, bright ornaments ablaze. Impaling summer, needle to the raw tide's breath, etched against the day. Thank you, Mike. Here is Annie Yates. We lived in a little fishing village called Tarbert, and this um, this shows a picture of Tarbert, probably in November time, um, when we got the mists and the dark nights and so on. And it's called the Harbour at Dusk, and um, I wrote this as a dedication to a lady, an elderly lady who lived next door to me. Her name was Mary McCalla and uh, she used to chop kindling endlessly to sell for charity she had the amazing most amazing strong hands and uh, this poem i was just thrilled that um, it won the elizabeth webster prize for original and interesting use of language in 2005 the harbour at dusk 
on coal and kindling the addicted chimney smoke in defiance of the skulking moon as it peeps and it peers from his petulant sphere over the harbour at dusk in the fume. With her mouth open wide, flashing dentures of boats in the reflection of drowning street lights as they fuse and ooze from the publican's booze in the bars as the east wind bites. While dinner's being had in the kitchens of houses where the children are ready for bed, the fishermen's call as they trawl in the sprawl of the sea so their babies are fed. And as the mouth of the harbour yawns through the night, the coal and the kindling will smoulder till the sun peeps and peers as she has done for years and the quayside awakes a day older. And he ate. And now we have Shem Sharples. OK, this first one's called St Ives Harbour. The sweat flat silt sand ripples glint of sun Trickle water round beached rudders, ropes floats, hulls, cabins wheels, gulls swoop with stuka's wings around Smeaton's pier. White dove pecks the air in front, pattering among feet, in hope to excavate a treat from pockmarked concrete quay. Beach roamers meander across tide recessed sand, nearby wellies slop silt. Gulls sound sirens, wheeling, waving, wind fuzzles, yuckers wobble. Some gulls silent in stealthy swirls, others croak and grunt. A pushchair pulls a mother along the wobbly sand sweat. A dog trots, pausing to wet an orange boy. Chains clink, ropes rubble and creak, mallets bonk and fishermen call through harking wind. Waves slash rocks, haw! Tumbling surfers zip and crash, waters futter hiss and swoosh great surges and collapse in whitewash foam. Bold rocks sit there, arms folded, unimpressed. Beach stripes away, wavering wash lines creep and slink back around St Ives Harbour. I think it's wonderful the way he's captured the sounds on that with uh, all the bashing and crunching of the noises of the storm around the harbour. And uh, you're going to take us somewhere else now, Mike. Yes, um, this poem is called Black Points, uh, which is in, in Penmon Anglesey. Uncanny, though, today a friend of mine, Amanda um, Taxby, said she'd seen photographs of me and uh, in the late 70s, and I said, how was that? And Nigel Palmer had took them when I was in Anglesey. And this is exactly the same day. <laughs> so funny how things work out. Anyway, it's a, it's a lonely little spot, and there's a bell there that tolls every half minute, and it's very hypnotic. Down the lonely hour, the bell tolls its tired ache of tide. Where sleep swells upon the murmur of weeping waves. Where the surf is a hush in the heart and a throb on a silent shale. The lighthouse thrusts to a figment, sheer as brine winds flank its sanded shard. Slow to pause the gull, a speck of distance. Eyes washed in the greying day, we brewed the pulsing shore. The rocks spill the years 
an echo of moon and storms, where pebbles lean to touch the siren's naked core. Ooh, yes. Um, lots of music about the sea, and I have heard about my person across the Western Ocean, songs of Liverpool and the sea, and this is a... a CD that was put together by a lot of people. One of those people on the CD is Esther Smith, and she now is here for us to sing to us with Bold Riley. Hello, 
Lester Smith, local singer and songwriter uh, from the CD Across the Western Ocean. I just think she has a marvellous voice. Yes, and we'll play more of her in due, well, not today, but as the weeks go on. Now, my wife Caroline and I have taken in the last few weeks to throwing ourselves in the sea. Um, not for any particular reason other than that we've suddenly taken to going off to New Brighton and jumping in the water. Um, and last night she handed me a poem which she had written about the said, uh, the said activity and I promised I'd read it today on today's show. So here is Late Summer Swim by Caroline Wilson. Tides in, we rush to the beach. Twenty minutes if the traffic's good. Everyone's had the same idea. Sea swimming at New Brighton. Yes, here we are, braving the waters. Giddy, excited. Gasps as we dip our toes. Sea shockingly warm. No tentative approach. In we go, up to our necks. Waves crashing over us. Unadulterated pleasure. Consumed with joy, mountains to the west, red cranes to the east, white wind turbines ahead. Endless miles of clear water, all to ourselves, save the odd dog diving in to chase the ball. Clear blue skies above as we lie on our back and float. Nothing else matters in that moment. Life is as perfect as it's ever going to be. Next, along the same bit of coast, here's John Oldershaw. The first poem of mine that I've got is called The Seaside Walk, um, which uh, I wrote earlier this year after having gone for a walk along uh, Harrison Drive in New Brighton. The repetitive rifle shots from the outcar range drift across the Mersey from High Town to the Wirral shore, staccato through other sounds muffled on a misty morning. Strangely for winter, great activity and hushed excitement abound. Wrapped up warm figures with cameras normally seen to grace the sporting touchlines focus somewhere mid-beach. Yet with no celebrity in view, I walked on, in my shyness loath to ask who or what or why. Later, turning back with wind in my face, waves berating the seawall with heartbeat thump and amniotic swell of womb music, soothing in its primeval inheritance, ahead on the receding beach, figures stand still, staggered apart as if a mirror to the iron men cross river on the Crosby shore, a non-armed guard of telephoto lenses. The tide continues its relentless sweep of the sand, yet still the canutes stand, fending off not waves but gambling dogs and walkers forced onto still dry land. 
personality no longer overriding my curiosity, I now asked who and what and why. Through borrowed camera lens, I share the excitement, a fragile camouflage pair of snow buntings, a stray arctic presence on a late winter morning. Yes, John Oldershaw, walking along Harrison Drive. And I'm glad it was the snow bunting they were looking for, not uh, not the swimmers. <laughs> and uh, we now have a, a, a few poems on the subject of another place, the Anthony Gormley um, installation on Crosby Beach. So we have poems now from Angela Topping, Bev Clark, and a little something Brian Wake has sent me in, which I hope you will enjoy. Uh, so, to begin this uh, little sequence, here's Angela Topping. This is another poem from Beautiful Dragons Anthology. This one was all about oceans and seas, and I managed to grab the Irish Sea for myself. And I used a poem, I just started writing, and I thought, oh, that'll fit with this. We'd had a visit to Anthony Gormley's men at Crosby, and always when I've gone before, it's been really easy to see them, but it, it was a spring tide, and you, they were just little dots that appeared and reappeared as they... But it, it made me think as well about the Irish diaspora, which included my side of the, my mum's family, all came over here in the time of the potato famine. But of course, before that, people were always going backwards and forwards to Ireland. They'd come mm. over here, work for the summer and go home. So, another tide. His metal men, barnacled and lichened, stand firm on the beach. I've touched them, marvelled at their beautiful limbs, the penis, the proud bones of the feet. Each made the same, but changed by different encounters with the sea. I've stood beside them, posed for photographs. Today they were dark dots in the spring tide as the Irish sea battered them, beating the Mersey into coffee-coloured spray thick with silt. Salt spurted at walkers. The bitter wind drove fingers to whiteness. The hundred iron men appeared and disappeared, unmoved. Do they look out across the river, back to an island they left on a harvest ticket, riding the sea fourth class, saving every penny to send home? Long before the famines, they crossed backwards and forwards, as if the sea were nothing more than a road of water. Blight came and hunger followed, fever, famine, emigration, deportation. Tides recede, salt dries on rusted faces. History's hard stories are still told here. Had they tongues to sing, they would voice a hundred songs of yearning for home. This is a, a familiar place to us all, Anthony Gormley's um, uh, another yeah. place at yeah. Crosby Beach. And this is really, um, I wanted to put myself inside the head of the Iron Man. So it's called Another Place. Tide laps at my feet. Soon it will cover my knees. 
Before long, I will be beneath it. I do not move. I do not wave or shout for help. Motionless, my heavy iron frame quiescent in ice-cold water. I cannot feel the murky waves lick my senseless face. My rigid fingers do not know the ebb and flow between them. Unaware, little fish dance in and out of my sturdy toes. Seaweed tentacles tangle up my weighty legs. I do not struggle, yearning to be free. I am what I can only be, a watcher, a voyeur, a figure on a shore. Never windswept, rain-soaked, sun-kissed or frozen, I am solid, constant, open to the prevalent sky in all my glorious nakedness. But am I dreaming of another place? where feet touch grass instead of shifting sand, where I might feel and walk and breathe. If I did, would I be free? Or is freedom here, where turbulent winds and waves never stir me, and time cannot decay? After standing so long, with only tides and darkness, light and shades of light and gloom, and sometimes rain and dark again, and often stars and hurrying clouds, half-hidden moons, black pools and perilous, the tattered rags of seabirds clinging to the wind, the stranded jellyfish, the flickering lights far out and rolling waves of gurgling foam and evening and afternoon and dusk and dawn and morning when the visitors arrive with barking dogs to test the tides for depths the air for breath or else to search the sea for drowning young the drowning elderly for evidence to trace some first illicit kiss, some other new togetherness, perhaps. We then might flex our iron muscles and begin to grasp the dignity or otherwise of being part of all of this. When every star goes out and all the parts of distance are obscured by roaring tides of darkness, we emerge from our allotted spaces in the sand and holding hitherto unheld or ever moving hands we dance not this and we forever each remain the untogether spectacle and isolated in the dark and sometimes rain when dawn erupts tomorrow we shall sing Sequence on another place, the Anthony Gormley installation on Crosby Beach and the 
final part that we heard there was from Brian Wake. Uh, and Brian emailed that to me. It's taken from the DVD, Another Place, Another View, giving voice to the Iron Men. And uh, the music was by Dennis Conroy and Bob Shepley. If you want to send me anything to play on the programme, you can do to send me an MP3 um, of, of your own work and you can send it to me. You can get in touch with me via my website. That's kemmelhorton.com. I'm easy to find. Um, let me know what you want to do and I'll send you uh, whatever you need, whatever help you need to send me some things to play. So... Uh, very enjoyable that track as well. I love the way he, uh, the guitar just echoes waves. And speaking of waves, speaking of waves, I promised a new poem on the uh, waves. As I say, we've Caroline and I have been swimming, which made me think of waves somewhat. So this poem is a sequence of waves. First the draw back as the sea swallows itself into a ball, then rolling, lifting the bottom to the top and flipping it over to a crest where water and air become one homogeneous spray, crashing in on itself and splashing to the sky. It rolls on, next to the trough, and then the sea draws back again. You stand waist deep in the water, feeling its rise and fall, lift your feet, then drop you down. The sun upon this tidal shelf deceives as waves roll warm around you, but your toes soon feel the chill of the sea seeping from the deep. Waves are constant, they obey the rules of the moon and the wind and their own secret pathways through oceans, lakes and rivers. Any blunt force will build a wave, a stone tossed in a pond, a ship cuts a wake on the river and an earthquake. All these things make waves and waves will follow the rules. The drawing back, the rolling up into the lift, the crest, the crash and the trough drawing back again and again, swallowing itself into the depths of the sea. Michael Jones has also been writing about waves. Here he is. Sound of the waves. Struth side the shore and the bay turns to rain. Call of the seabird christened by gales. Lads unlawful loosh on the pier. The new generation have no fear. Retirement in a hat, he made his mark. Sunshine cafe, stroll the promenade. And I was a boy hearing a voice until the end of my days. Dawn in my mind, the sound of the waves.
And uh, that was from an opera that uh, you were involved in, Mike. Well, I think we were all I love the music and Leon Mills as well. That particular track was the 13th track in the opera, written by the, the words were written by Pam Moyle in December 1998, and I composed the music, which Helen Yardley is, you've heard you just heard singing. And, and you uh, and I and another of, a number of other people, and including Pam, are in the chorus there. That's right. Hear, yes. So Helen Yardley, uh, she, 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 she played the Celtic lady in the opera. And it was a folk opera. And that was performed on the 30th of November 2007 in Chester. So that's one of the recordings. And, and whereabout was it performed? The, um, the Bishop's School in Chester. Right. In their auditorium. Right, well, fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff. And uh, we shall move on a little bit around the coast now. We have a collection of songs and poems all about Hilbury. So we're going to start with the Kirk Owls, then we have Celia Gentles, John Howe, Alan Gaunt and Alison Schultz, all from the archive. And... Uh, then we might we might let Mike read us the poem after all of that. But we're going to start with the Kirk Owls and the song, which is Hilbury, spelt in the old-fashioned way. I've known love and I've lived life. Caught by ages night and guided wheel. I've took the treasure long ago. It's still buried by the sea. Dig me up and take me home to Hillbury. 
me as a child Walking islands Chasing after fleeing tides An autumn sun Hunting shrimp in ripple pools Left by the deep Hilbury Island. Um, I wrote it about ten years ago after a lovely afternoon spent there. On Hilbury Island. Watching the tide drift in, I fix my gaze on a rock, see something bobbing in the waves, squint at a glisten of sunlight, glance back and the rock has gone. Watching the time race by, I cast my mind back to a girl seeking the seals long ago. Start at a shimmer of whisker, glance back and the shape has gone. Watching the sea swirl round, I shift my gaze to the shore, home to demands and routine. Head for the safety of sandstone, glance back and the glimmer has gone. This one's called John, Paul and Tony at Hilbury Island. <laughs> Hilbury. Ancient sandstone temple, shaped and shaved by the raging sea, sometimes caressed smooth by softer tides and gentle salty breezes. We've come with others to sit and write and gaze on our Freedom Day, aiming to interbe with this little isle. We leave behind the urban dust and our everyday responses. We open our minds to the calmness, adjusting our beat to the gentle rhythm of the sea. Here and there, we sense the fo frozen footprints of those long gone and hope that their benevolent spirits rub shoulders with this breeze. Grey seals have come to watch, like sad-eyed silent pilgrims waiting to land on the shore and pray in this sacred place, while we three old men 
in our dotage, smile out to sea. My wife Winifred and I were visiting Hilbury Island. Uh, to Winifred on Hilbury. You did not see me above you on the ridge, passing you by, intent on my own purpose at the island's end, to sit alone like you, watching the sea and clouds seeming to fuse on the horizon, but in essence always one. When I returned you saw me, smiled, and when I reached you asked me why I shook my head and laughed. I was your cloud, riding the wind above you, unsuperior, secured in the certainty of clouds, always to their sea returning. I did a geography project about it when I was seven and I've loved it with every bone in my body ever since. Mm. Uh, this one's called Island. When I go, let it be on my precious island in a great wooden ship like my ancestors, with a white-hot heart to the greedy fire and savage, roaring, wind-whipped flames streaming bright veils of glowing sparks upwards into the midnight velvet sky. Let there be tales and songs spoken, sung, by any there who still remain to love me, while the curlews whistle on the sandbanks and sleepy seals call their siren songs. Stay out there in the starlight, my friends. Wake with the sun. Be glad of waking. And walk back as the tide permits you, away from the charred boat, with quiet hearts, over the ridge sand, over the coarse grass, back to your lives, with hearts still spark-touched. That was Alison Schultz, and before that we heard Alan Gaunt, John Howe and Celia Gentles. That sequence was started by the Kirk Owls with their song Hilbury. And Mike, you've got a poem now called Park Gate. Yes, still on the Wirral. Um, not far from Hilbury, actually. So um, here we go, Park Gate. At this day's grey and sleepy edge, the salt marsh sweeps to far Welsh hills. Purpled in some timeless robe, they frown upon this whittle shore. That aching spread of growling slopes now blur into a settling dusk. At last the tourist roads have swarmed away. The promenade in mid-march light had gushed with many throbbing hordes. Like hands they cluttered shellfish bars and narrow walks beside the seaward wall. But now, a distant seagull hangs above Hilbury in the swelling calm. Its sandstone shadow blurs to a ghost against its fading form. A lantern from a coffee bar burns soft across the briny waste towards a ribbon stretch of light, the river on its tired way. And lovers gaze in silhouette against its dimming silver line. So must I leave, as first stars chill the cliff of night. Across those brackish-shadowed pools, my thoughts, are like steeds of foam, surf white, shall leap and breeze away. Yes. Thank you, Mike. And uh, a while back, what 
last year, in fact, we had a poetry picnic on Hilbury Island and uh, a whole group of us went there and wrote poetry and this is one of the poems I wrote. Saturation. There, in the constant tug and fall of it, the seals keep silent watch as land recedes. This steady slap of wave on rock, the slow sluicing of this lump of earth to nothing. The winter storms with fearful winds have torn at cliffs and scattered rocks. It's still the soft, sweet swell of tides that pulls at all those things to cull the island's cold, eternal core. We build retaining walls to clutch each scrap of soil, pour out concrete patches, fix paths, but know the sea will one day have it all. The seal knew this those many ages past, forsaking all. The slick of dark water folds across his back as he surrenders to the waves. Grey seals now poke through the water in the island's eastward shelter, and all the time the rising as it all turns into sea. Well, it is now time for us to say our goodbyes um, and we will see you soon. Uh, so it's goodbye from me, Kemal Horton. And goodbye from me, Mike Penny. Thank you for listening in. And don't forget, for, for more information about this show, you can always contact me through my website. That's Kemal Horton, K-E-M-A-L-H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N dot com. And I will be happy to hear from you and pass on any information that you should want. You have been listening to Always the Sea, the first part of a Poetry Roundup special that was first broadcast on the 16th of September 2020.